Well, this morning, I'd like to go back to the book of Hebrews uh, once again in chapter 2 this morning. I feel that the the penman here, the author was God, but I feel the penman was the Apostle Paul, but we don't know that, but certainly someone with the same uh, uh, truth that the Lord had revealed unto uh, Apostle Paul. I'd like to uh, begin this morning by reading in chapter 2 the first 10 verses. We've looked at a few of these, and I'll probably look at verse maybe 9 and 10 this morning. But I'd like to read down through here because it's talking about our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So uh, in in verse 1 of of chapter 2, of course, it refers back to Jesus Christ too. It says, Therefore... We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also, bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. For unto the angels has he uh, not put in subjection uh, the world to come of which we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou shouldest visit him. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all uh, in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, bringing many sons into glory, to make the captain of the salvation perfect through suffering. So there's certainly a lot of things in this. We, um, verse 1 talked about giving more earnest heed to these things. In verse 2, we refer to so much that every sin and every transgression, every act of disobedience is going to receive its just rewards. They all, they're all going to be paid for, and it's just a matter of who's going to pay for them. Uh, and then it, it, it talks about, and I don't think I'm going to dwell on this, but verse 6. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And isn't that, isn't that stuff, what, what are we, you know, that this God would be mindful of us? It causes me to ponder and causes me to think, why 
why would God love something like me? Why would Jesus Christ go to the cross, pay the penalty of my sin, which is, and, we, and I can say that so easy. He paid the penalty of my sin. And I can just say that so easy. But think of that payment that he paid. And not just, not just hanging on the cross and being crucified. Many men were crucified. And I've mentioned many times that the penalty of sin is, uh, and we may talk about that a little today too, but uh, is eternal separation from God, like a fire. And he paid my part of that on the cross. We can't, I, I can't understand the suffering. It was more than the nails and, and, the, and so forth and his spikes, and, and, which I, I know was, had to be great suffering, but when he took our sins, he paid that price. But what, what, what is man that he, would, that he would look on us? Verse 9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So Jesus made a little lower than the angels, and angels as messengers, and we could look at that possibly different ways, made a little lower than the angels. But let's go to chapter 1 and verse 4. It may sound a little contradictory. It's talking about Jesus Christ, of course, and in verse 4 it says, being made so much better than the angels. As he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent uh, name than they. So our text says he's made lower than the angels, but this says he's made so much better than the angels. What, so what's, what is that? And we could also go to verse uh, 13, talking about Christ again. It says, but to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool? Of course, that's what he said to the Lord, but he didn't say that to any of the angels or messengers, did he? So our text says, but Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. In what sense? But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. That's, in that sense, he was made lower. He, he suffered in death, again, not for his own sin, because he had none of his own, but for mine and for yours. So in that sense, he was made lower uh, than the angels. And this says something else that I, I wasn't going to touch on, but, but I, I suppose I should. Uh, the last part of it... Well, let me just read the whole thing again uh, in verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. It's very popular, and most, most people you talk to says, you know, Christ died for every person on the face of the earth. In fact, it's 
it's such common belief that nobody even questions it. They were, I mean, they, they just think, well, everybody believes. I mean, that's the way it is, and everybody believes that. Just like God loves everybody, it's, it's not even something that's questioned. It's just common knowledge. Now, it's not true, but it's so believed as common knowledge that, I mean, they don't, uh, well, they just don't see any, uh, uh, anything else. This is just what it's so commonly believed. Should taste death for every man. So what do we what do we make of that? That he should taste death for every man. So did he die for every human being on that face of the earth? Did he pay for the sins? And that's what that's what his death did. His death paid for sins. So did he pay for the sins of every man, woman, and child? Verse 2 is talking about that. Every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. So we're kind of still on the same subject here. So did he pay for the sins and transgressions and disobedience of every person on the face of the earth? And again, most people, well, well absolutely. And that's what it says. But you know, the, the scripture also says that uh, no scriptures of any private interpretation. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. Of course, he also what this was he, he said this to Israel. In other words, he told Israel. Uh, he said, "Now he said this is not going to be just really open to you. He said it's going to be line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. In other words, it wasn't just going to be." just really open and easy to understand in that respect. So we can't, we, we need to, um, by God's grace, look at these scriptures and be consistent and not just take a scripture alone and say, well, you know, here it says this and here it says this. It must mean two different things. Well, it, it is line upon line, precept upon precept. So before we take this and say, yeah, he, he died for everybody. That's what it says. He died for all everybody's transgressions and disobedience, and he paid for all of them. If that, if that were true, or if you, and those listening by way of recorded message, if you believe that's true, then I have a question. I'd like to go to the book of Revelation chapter 20. To, to ask this question. Now, our text said that every sin, every transgression, it's going to be paid for. And our text said that, that uh, he should taste death for every man. So then if, uh, and, and I understand why well, somewhat why people would believe this, I guess. But did he pay, did he die for everyone? Did he pay for the, as, as verse 2, did he pay for their sins, transgressions, and act of disobedience? Did he pay for all of them, for every man? If he did, then why is this happening 
in Revelation chapter 20, and I'm going to start in verse 10. Uh, verse 10, yeah, well, I could go back to verse 10, but I'm just going to start out there. Verse 10, this doesn't start my question, but I need to read this anyway. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So now we see the devil uh, and the beast and the false prophet cast into this, what's called here, a lake of fire. Be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay, now verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead that was in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead that were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now there's a lot of things, a lot of questions we could ask here. But Well, let's look at a couple of them, maybe. Books. Book of Life. Now, I really don't believe that God has a book with paper and ink or slate or whatever. This is just talking about it. It's, it's a record or recorded, whether it be, we could say, in God's mind. I don't think it's a, a literal book, again, with pages like this. It just, it just It's recorded. It's a record. It's in God's mind. And uh, written here that we may help us understand this. But it said, uh, uh, according to this record of God, all those that were not found in this record of God was cast into the lake of fire. And we could also ask the question, well, is, is a literal lake of fire? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but the terminology used here is, is uh, lake of fire would be, I don't think you could find probably any stronger word to denote what suffering there's going to be. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's just more suffering and torment than we can imagine. And this is probably the strongest language that we could think of. But getting back to, to my question. We see some that was not in this particular record book of God's was cast into this, and I'll call it lake of fire because that's what the scripture calls it. And who else was there? The devil, the beast, and the false prophet. They were there. And these who were not in this particular record book of God 
was also cast there. Now, my question is, if Jesus Christ paid for the sins of all mankind, why are these there? Did he fail? Well, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't pay for some. Or you say, well, he died for everybody, but you know, they have to choose him to make it uh, uh, this way. Well, you know, these might be uh, uh, things that our understanding, reasoning may come up with as far as earthly understanding. But the scripture says that God chose his electing Christ before the foundation of the world. He says in John 10, my sheep, or my sheep hear my voice. I know them, they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck him out of my hand. So before the foundation of the world, God chose an elect in Christ. Now, we understand there's an elect within elect, actually within an elect. So we have gods and, and, uh, and Christ and the bride, and etc. But uh, these were chosen before the foundation of the world. So the choice was made. And even Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. So the choice is not ours to make. So going back to our question, if Jesus died for every human being on the face of the earth, then why are some cast in this lake of fire? I mean, what, the payment wasn't good enough? So this, and, and, and we could go, I suppose, to different scriptures. We could, uh, we could also go in John 17, where the Lord says, I, I don't pray for these. I don't pray for the world, but for the ones that thou givest me out of the world. In other words, for his elect. So he said, I, I don't pray for them. So the Lord died for everyone of God's elect. Everyone that he recorded in what's called a book here. Everyone that's recorded, he died for them. But if he died for every human being on the face of the earth, then none of them would be cast into this lake of fire. And, well, I think that's maybe that's, I won't go into that anymore. So, uh, I don't believe Jesus Christ died for the sins of every man on the face of the earth. If he did, not one of them will be cast there. And we could, if you wanted to study that more, we could, you could certainly do that. There's other scriptures that would, uh, would back that up. Uh, so let, let's go on here, though, in, in uh, Hebrew 2. And uh, look at verse 10. Still talking about Jesus Christ, our blessed Savior and Redeemer. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of salvation perfect through suffering. So there's a lot here too. And we're, we're not going to cover it all. We'll just touch on a couple things. There's so much here. But so it became him. And, and that word became is, in other words, it's like uh, be uh, 
it, it suits him. It's suitable for him. It's proper. It's right for him. We may, and we don't use that terminology too often. It says, for it became him. But I've heard it before. Uh, somebody may have a certain type of dress or garment or blouse on or something, and somebody may give them a compliment and say, well, that's very becoming of you. In other words, it, it suits you. It, it just it, 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 it suits you. It's proper. It, it's right for you. Uh, but here it says, for it became him. It was suitable for him. It was becoming of him. For whom are all things. And we know who it's talking about, don't we? We know who the him is. It became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. Uh, and I think I want to go, you can hold your place here. Let's go to Colossians just for a second. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. So there's no doubt who this is, which I'm sure there is no doubt. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 16. For by him were all things created. And of course it's talking about Jesus Christ, uh, uh, firstborn of all creation. Uh, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible. Where they be thrones or dominions or powers or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So that's who this is talking about in Hebrew when it says... For it became him, it was fitting of him, whom are all things, or for whom are all things, and by whom are all things. It's talking about Jesus Christ. So it, it became him. It was fitting for him. What was, it, what was it fitting for him? What was it becoming for him? To bring many sons unto glory. That was fitting for him to bring many sons unto glory. It was, it was fitting for him in bringing many sons unto glory. It was, it was fitting. It was proper. It was right. It was becoming of him. So who, who brought these sons uh, uh, by whom are uh, in bringing many sons into glory? So, And I want to make a point here. So who is the one bringing many sons unto glory. The one that it was becoming of him. It wasn't a partnership between myself and Jesus Christ and yourself and Jesus Christ. Uh, Hebrew 1 and 3 says, when he had by himself purged our sins, so it didn't say when, well, when he did his part and we did our part. It doesn't say that, Georgiana. It says when he had by himself purged our sins. So when we go back there and it says, for it became him. It was fitting of him. It was right of him. 
and bringing many sons unto glory. It became him. It becomes him. It was right for him. It was suitable for him to bring many sons unto glory. It's not suitable for me. It was suitable for him. It's not suitable for you to take care of this. It's not suitable for you and I to bring ourselves unto glory. It's not becoming. It's not suitable for us. It's not right for us. But it was of him. It's becoming of him. It's right. It's proper for him. If we uh, try to apply that to ourselves, we're, we're lifting ourselves up. We're, if we say we have part in it, well, we're saying it's becoming of us to bring ourselves unto glory. But the scripture has no part in saying that. It's becoming of him when he by himself. If we would say, well, it's becoming of us to bring ourselves unto glory, what are we doing? We're trampling underfoot the blood of the Son of God. We're not putting any value on it whatsoever. If we, well, there's no need going into detail. You understand if something trampling underfoot, uh, it would be, you may have some old clothing or uh, rags or something that you may trample underfoot uh, that you put no value on. But you have other things, probably things you have this morning, you wouldn't trample them underfoot. They, there's a value to you. Well, but if we say that, that we are, it is becoming of us to bring ourselves unto glory, we're putting no value on the blood of Jesus Christ, just on ourselves. So then, can, I've got a couple more minutes here in, in Hebrew 10. It says, uh, after it says, bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Captain of their salvation. This uh, uh, captain here is, is the author or originator of salvation. So he is made, he is made the author or originator of our salvation. This is becoming of him. Not of you and I, it's becoming of him. It's fitting for him. Uh... It's fitting for him to become the captain, the author of salvation. That, that fits him. He was born of a virgin. He didn't have Adam's blood. He didn't come from a falling race. So you can see how it's, it's fitting for him to be the captain of our salvation. It's becoming of him. He was not unclean. And again, coming from Adam. So it becomes him to be the captain of our salvation. It's fitting for him. It's right for him. He was born of a virgin. He had no sin. It's becoming of him to become the captain of our salvation. Is it becoming of us? Let's answer that in, in uh, Romans chapter 3. Let's see if it's fitting for us, if it's becoming for us, if we should uh, uh, wear this, if it's... Uh, becoming of us, if it's suitable for us, if it's right for us to be the captain of our salvation. 
Romans chapter 3, verse 9. So this is, this is going to tell something about us, tell something about mankind. And we'll see, is this suitable, is it right for us to become the captain of our salvation? It says, what then, are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved that both Jews and Greeks, that they're all under sin. So if we're all under sin, then could we be the captain of our salvation? Is that suitable for us? It was suitable for him because he was born of a virgin. He had no sin. It's suitable for him to be the captain of our salvation. Is it suitable for us? No, that, that doesn't fit, does it? As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all going out of the way. They are together becoming profitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So it's not suitable for me to be the captain of my salvation. Isaiah says, uh, we're all an unclean thing. And all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. So it's not, it's not suitable for us to be the captain of our salvation. So uh, talking about that back in our text again, uh, uh, to make the captain of the salvation perfect through suffering. So this word perfect here is, is complete, as it is in many places in the scriptures, and, and also it is here. Uh, make the captain of our salvation complete through suffering. So uh, complete, accomplished. So this captain of our salvation, he was made complete through suffering perfect or complete or accomplished so did he did this was this uh, this captain of our salvation did this suffering <clears throat> did that make it perfect did that make it complete what was the last thing that he said it is finished complete we can use the word perfect there perfect complete through suffering Let's go to Isaiah 53 just for a minute there. So he was perfect and complete through suffering. So the suffering that he did on the cross, was it complete? Did that make him the captain of our salvation? Isaiah 53, and of course we know it's talking about Jesus Christ. Let's go to verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So God the judge saw the travail of his soul, the suffering of the cross, and said he was satisfied. So he was satisfied. The, the captain of our salvation was, was made complete, perfect through suffering. When, when God the judge saw him suffering on the cross, 
paid the price for our sins, for the sins of all God's elect. He was made perfect or complete or uh, uh, complete or finished through this. So it becomes him to be the captain of our salvation. It's not becoming of us. It's not right. It's not fitting. We don't have what it takes, uh, the qualification. So let, let me kind of just summarize here in some different words. Not that my words are better, but just some different words to maybe uh, have a little different, uh, uh, to put some importance on it maybe or draw some attention. It was right and suitable for this great Jesus Christ, the Lord, who made all things, it was suitable and right for him only to bring many sons whom God gave him to glory. Only if it's him. It was suitable and right for him to be the captain of our salvation and, and only him. Through his suffering, his obedience unto death, he was perfect. He was accomplished. It was complete through his suffering. He completed the work that the Father gave him to do, and he said, it's finished. It's complete. That's what the word perfect means in that instance. And all this is becoming of him. It's right for him. It suits him. It's becoming of him. None of that is becoming of us. It's right for him only, suitable for him only. Again, not becoming of, of you and I. I cannot wear this captain of salvation uh, garment. So I'm grateful and I'm thankful for the captain of our salvation. Thankful that he has chosen me, God has chosen me in Christ before the foundation of the world. I'm thankful that he completed the work. I'm thankful that God the judge says, I'm satisfied. I'm thankful that I don't have to pay for my sins and my transgressions. I'm thankful that I won't be, ca won't be cast where the devil and the false prophet and the beast are. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.